It's goosebump time in Oxford, Mississippi. What's up? It's Podcast Rebellion. We're back at it again here in the Second Line Studio. I'm your host, Zach Barry, joining you a couple days tardy. That's on us. Uh, we had a lot going on this past weekend, and uh, but we promised that uh, we will bring you this show a couple days earlier, the, uh, the rest of the nine games on the schedule. We will recap every Sunday what happens on Saturday. Joining me, as always, Benjamin Woodhouse, Nicholas Carr. Gentlemen, uh, we're going to cram this one in before uh the debate tonight so let's get going how's everybody doing how did everybody feel on saturday i've i have never been more um relieved after a loss than saturday more excited more relieved more uh just just enthusiastic about the future yeah uh, absolutely. I I really don't. I mean, it has been a weird uh, three years, I guess. I don't know, four years. I had no enthusiasm, no excitement. It was, I mean, honestly, it was just not much joy watching Ole Miss. I watched it almost out of a sense of obligation uh, under under Matt Luke, and it was just hard to like get excited about anything. Even when we, you know, we got a recruit, it was like, wow. Well, I mean, still playing under Matt Luke, and watching a Saturday, even though we lost. And people were like, oh, you know, you, you lost by two scores. And I'm like, yeah, it was game one. And and we scored 35 points. And, and you can fix the offense. I mean, excuse me, you can fix the defense. And it feels like the offense is already really rolling. It it was a lot of fun to see it and to, to feel excited again. It was. Yeah, Zach, before you, before you go, can I just say, Nick yeah. said, you know, score 35 points. I mean – that game looks so much different than what we have been accustomed to the last three years. Every, mm-hmm. every play felt like it had, it, we followed a script. Everything had a reason. There was a purpose to, to all of it. And, and frankly, it looked so much different. And, and I don't know. I mean, yes, there's talent on our offense. And we said that beforehand and, and not to, you know, not to brag, but also said on the, on the pickup show, how, frustrated i felt like we could be you know on defense and both of those are true but i will tell you as big of a lane kiffin proponent as we were back a year ago when we were trying to pitch our idea to david brandt remember y'all remember that i'll never forget i was Mm -hmm. actually driving in clarksdale as we were podcasting um i I know exactly where i was (laughs) I, i did not expect that I mean, I expected Lane Kiffin to be pretty good. I did not expect him, us to be that well prepared on offense. I mean, he never asked Corral to do more than he, he's capable. And I'm not saying he's incapable. And he there's a lot of misdirection with the running backs. He Jerry Neely is a strong guy. Jerry Neely is not Derrick Henry strong. Yet we were finding running lanes for him up the middle. I'll let you go. I'm sorry for, for, for talking like that, but it just it seemed to me like he he had Lane Kevin is brilliant when it comes to um, uh, exemplifying or or taking advantage of his players' strengths and really minimizing their weaknesses. 
again, he asked nobody to do what they were incapable of doing. And and I don't know if that's Giffen or Levy or a combination, but on offense, you cannot be not not be excited. You have to be excited after that. Florida's good. Probably second best defense will play all year. Maybe third. And they're really good. And and frankly, they by halfway through the second half you realized they couldn't stop Ole Miss. I mean the difference in the game was, you know, Ole Miss coming up empty in the red zone a few times. It was a shootout otherwise. I don't think it was and this was a legitimate thirty five points, legitimate um you know, losing by a couple scores. It was indicative, I guess, of how much respect that Dan Mullen and Todd Grantham had for Ole Miss, where they kept the starters in virtually the entire game. It wasn't this. This wasn't a 2019 Ole Miss LSU game where John Rice Plumley is running all over the place. Well, no, like LSU had already pulled their starters and was essentially playing prevent at that time. They weren't blitzing anyone. No, Florida blitzes every single play with Todd Grantham. And it's – I thought Matt Corral looked like – I mean, night and day different from his previous performances at Ole Miss. 22 of 31 for 395 and three touchdowns. The one pick was incredibly unlucky. Um, here's where I, some – Nick, but I mean Nick and and you too, Ben. You both talked about how exciting it was to see Ole Miss play with with Lane Kiffin coaching, but just the optimism, the excitement that you had watching it. I, I took this away from this game. I don't think Ole Miss was going to win. Uh, Florida is a very good team. Uh, I think that they're a legitimate playoff team. I think that they are a legitimate top two team in the SEC. I think if they run the table, uh, they're going to give Alabama all they want, Atlanta. But the two the two things that stood out to me was the phantom pass interference call early in the game on Jalen yeah. Jones when he was covering Kyle Pitts that was on a third down and then the incredibly incredibly bad roughing the passer call on a third down on Momo Sonogo extended two drives for Florida and it and resulted in 14 points now not saying that that changes the outcome of the game I still think that Florida maybe um finds another way to score at some point maybe they get a stop who knows but that's a 14 point swing there and the tipped interception which Let's not take away anything from Florida. It was a good play. Got the hand up, batted the ball. But, but Elijah, that's locked. Yeah, but I'll, and I'll say it, 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 Elijah Moore was open. It was a corner route. The corner yeah. was beat. Elijah Moore was going to make a catch. Touchdown. I believe at that point it would have been 21-21, and it would have been a totally different ball game. With all that said, you know, losing always at the end of the day sucks, but just – absolutely 100% encouraged by the effort that I saw by the game plan like Ben said like everything I mean guys come on complex ideas and thinking yeah. I mean what an idea so um, so let's it was let's, fun. let's walk this back for a second I don't think that the offense could play better than Ole Miss's offense did I, I hope they can because it looked really good on Saturday really good but but what I what I do think all right, a lot of bounces went Florida's way. 
there was a there was a, also a play that you didn't mention where Florida. I can't remember if it was. I think it was Grisham or whatever the guy's last name is. He catches a like an an out route or is is right in front of us on the home side, and Lakia Henry kills him. And that was to me. He had taken two steps. I did not find that yeah, to be an incomplete yeah. pass that's a questionably fumble at least you mm-hmm. let it go and come back and review it to be incomplete that was one the tip interception is one the egregious i mean ultra egregious roughing the passer is one the phantom pass interference is one Ole miss misses a field goal not and that's not me blame. i'm not one to blame it's week one that's fine but you know you come up with empty points there Ole miss has a few botched snaps it didn't hurt us but but you know those there are just a few plays in the game that just frankly got lucky. I, matter of fact, I mean, to me, I think it Ole Miss played so extremely well that if the play, if those bounces just balance out, I mean, it's a one possession game in the fourth quarter, and Ole Miss likely has the ball. You know, it's anybody's game at that point I, I, because Ole Miss frankly did not give Florida any room for error as well as Ole Miss played. So two things, to, and, I'll, and I'll add on. Um, you, you mentioned the passenger, the, the the phantom driving the quarterback into the ground. Uh, if you'll watch games, I've said this for a long time. But if you'll watch games and listen to the announcers, and they ninety nine times out of a hundred, I mean, I'm talking a, a dude can pull a guy down in the secondary, and they'll be like, "It's great coverage there by number twenty seven. It's just like ridiculous. They, they'll agree with the referees. So pay attention closely. Whenever they go against what the referee said, it was a bad call. And you had both guys on ESPN sitting there saying, I just don't see what they saw. I just don't agree. So when, when ESPN or CBS or you know whoever is calling it out, but if you hear an announcer disagree with a referee, just know that the referee really missed the call because they don't – they're want to do that. They never do that. And then the second thing, Ben, you just mentioned was – you know, if the bounces kind of balance out how close of a game it was, Bill C, you know, has a a a, a post game win expectancy that's supposed to do that for you to say, okay, you know, Ole Miss missed a, a field goal and they had a, a batted pass that fell into a guy's hands. I mean, how many batted passes do you see at the line of scrimmage that are intercepted? Not a ton. You know, they had you know X, Y, and Z. If this game is played a hundred times, what is the normal score going to be? And he had it at, at, at Florida minus four point six. So between a little bit, a little over, you know, between a touchdown and a field goal, if that game's played a hundred times, on average, we're going to lose it by four point six. Um, and, and I think he, it said the post game win expectancy for them was only sixty three percent. Meaning, uh, you know, if it was played a hundred times, we we'd win thirty seven of them. So it, it's almost like the the sixteen point score didn't flatter us. That really, it was more like a one score game or even a little less. Because next time we play them, and the, the the pass is batted down at the line of scrimmage, it falls to the ground. And, next and time they don't, they don't too, call that. And, and you you got to think also, how many times does a team is it is the game tied 14-14 with three minutes to go in the first half, and then it's twenty eight fourteen when you come out at halftime, and you're kicking yeah. off to the other team, like Florida essentially scored. 21 straight points there in the span of yep. about three minutes. I mean, well, and, and it, yeah, I mean, you, you obviously first game COVID, you, no spring practice, fall camp is, you know, everybody's extremely on edge with getting tested every single day. It, look, it, everybody was rusty. 
you in a normal you know spring practice fall camp in a normal setting in a normal season when everybody is ready to go and you've got full practices and all that I don't think and this is also down the road too when Ole Miss has a little bit better players on defense a little bit more depth um the coaching staff is not as green as the players where the coaching staff has gelled with your roster I don't think you give up that touchdown with five seconds left in the second half that was a that was a big time score for Florida and you could kind of see that there was blood in the water with how Dan Mullen was calling plays there they were still driving down the field um and, I mean, Kyle Trask was deadly all game. Kyle Pitts was a complete mismatch. No one could cover him. Kadarius Toney had a great game. Um, but, yeah, like you said, the 16 points, I, I'm, I was incredibly encouraged. The, the team never flinched. It, it, they, there, there was no intimidation factor whatsoever by a top-five team coming into Vaught-Hemingway. That was what I took away was encouraging for a team that's – in their first game with a brand new staff against a really good Florida team. Um, that was very, very good to see, in my opinion, a team that just took shot after shot last year and just came back and was just, hey, we're not scared, hit in the mouth, we're going to come back firing. Yeah, sorry, I was on I was mute. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, the offense was – you know, it was everything I thought it'd be, I guess. Um, uh, you mentioned late late there in the second half. That was a killer, man. I mean, it was, excuse me, late there in the second quarter. Uh, and when you're playing a team that is better than you, I guess you could say, when a team that, you know, your favorite, your underdogs by two scores, when they've recruited better than you, when you've got a brand-new head coach, uh, and you don't really have, you know, the fan support of, of being at home like you normally would, everything's got to go right and man that just them scoring really late there in the first half it kind of sealed the deal but for us to come back out in, in the second half and really probably had our best quarter there late in the third and the start of the fourth quarter was i mean good i mean it was i liked what i saw the offensive game plan was was good uh, and it just on the defense it was bad i mean yeah of course guys there are too many soft spots in the defense um, too many passing yards. I mean, you know, there was a ton that went wrong. But, and I know you can't do this. You can't just take, you know, uh, a guy's numbers out of the stats. But if you were to take Kyle Pitts out of the stats, which I think you guys probably would, would agree, we're not probably going to face another guy like Kyle Pitts. I mean, he was what, Zach, about 6'5", 260, 250 yeah, I, maybe? His, he's officially listed at 6'240". He was six, so good. He was so oh, wait, good. Six six two forty, right? Yeah. That yeah, yeah. when when we walked in the stadium, this is no lie. This is no lie. We walked in the stadium and sat down, and the teams ran out of the tunnel. My grandmother, my grandmother said, "Whoever eighty four is for Florida <laughs> is their best player." That is the uh, that yeah. is the serious truth and she didn't he, know any of their names but she was I mean, like, hey, he looked like whoever that is is gonna be awesome he looked like lebron i mean he was he, he was huge he was a head taller than the next guy and and i'm again you can't take his stats out because he was exceptional but if you were to uh trask is 31 of 27 for 270 excuse me 23 of 37 for 276 now those are still pretty good numbers. You're probably going to win a lot of games with those numbers. But 
I can I mean you can assume you look at the rest of the numbers they're not exceptional from the rest of those guys and of course they would have spread it out some more but that's just the difference that Kyle Pitts made in that game he was he was that good I mean it was eight for 170 and four touchdowns we're not there's no more Kyle Pitts on the schedule I don't care if we're playing Alabama 10 times well I I've said this to I said it to y'all I've said it to other people I mean Kyle Pitts is going to do that to people all season long He's a Absolutely. complete mismatch. I mean, there was times on Saturday when Ole Miss had great coverage on him, and it's just yeah. physics took over. He's I just mean, that big. Size, speed, I mean, back shoulder throws, and, I mean, Trask did an excellent job. He was very accurate all day, and that's just going to happen. I mean, the guy's huge. You don't really have any way to match up with him. Um, Ole Miss I mean, tried looks like different Ron ways. Kikowski. I mean, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, um, yeah. And I thought, and we, we the defense wasn't terrible against him, but he, I mean, he's five to six inches taller than every other guy we have in the secondary. You know, and, yeah, it wasn't, every other big guy anybody has in the secondary. I mean, yeah, yeah, we exactly. could have put Patrick Willis on him, and he couldn't have caught. I mean, it, it was <laughs> he is a he is a mismatch in the NFL. Like he yeah. is going to make a ton of money. He is a fast Gronk. Is what he yeah. is. Yeah, he's a first rounder. I mean, he's a top fifteen guy. Oh, really, absolutely. there's no doubt. Yeah. So I'll leave y'all with this before we before we break. Well, there are a couple things. One, there is no more quarterback controversy. I think we nope. kind of figured out who that is. <laughs> Nobody improved more from last year to this year than Matt Corral. Um, uh, second, how and and maybe this has to do with that. Was it on Rich Rodriguez, or um, is it Jeff Lebby, or is it both? I guess probably both, a little bit of both. Probably more Lebby and Kiffin, getting him ready. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of my thing. I, Rich Rod kind of went back to the basics and went with what he knew the best. He had been kind of out of the game for, I mean, for a minute. I mean, think about this, guys. We couldn't move the ball against Cal last year with Corral under center and we just played the number five team at home, number three now at home, and he threw for how how many yards? Three ninety two. Think about three ninety five. Most think efficient passer in the country right now. Had we been at had last year's staff been coaching this year, this is not me picking on them. This is not me picking on them. We would have been beat something like fifty five to six. Yeah. So here it is before we break. Here are the numbers. 613 yards against Florida. Second most yards Florida has given up against an opponent in the last 10 years. It's the most that they've given up. Um, or, or, excuse me, the most they've ever given up was against an offense led by Lane Kiffin in 2014 when he was at Alabama. And and, and this is year one, and this is not me picking on anybody, but Laramie Tunsil in on that offensive line and Greg Little in on that offensive line, and the offensive line is good, but they, those players are not there. Evan Ingram's not at tight end. A.J. Brown is not at wide and, receiver. Yeah, outside of Elijah Moore, I mean, I mean Kenny Ebola. Jerry, Jerry I, I wanna, the running backs. Yeah, I, I do want to kind Yeboa of talk about Ebola. Ebola NFL players. Yeah, I was very impressed with Yaboa. I mean, he's a, he's significantly smaller than Kyle Pitts, but it felt like for the first time in a few years we had a a, a big time receiver out there at tight end, like a guy yeah. who could really catch the ball. Kyle Pitts is so good it made Yaboa look pedestrian, yeah. and Yaboa was great. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, just we're. I mean, Elijah Moore too probably didn't get enough credit. I mean, if Elijah Moore goes down, I mean we're in trouble out there, wide receiver, because there wasn't a ton 
you know, Dontario Drummond had the, uh, the long pass. that was probably the highlight of his day and pass Elijah Moore. Casey Kelly had a reception. Uh, John Reese Plumley had one. Snoop Connor had one. Tyler Knight had one. Um, actually, now that I see it, we didn't have any other wide receivers with a, at a reception other than Dontario Drummond and Elijah Moore. So that's bingo called a two point conversion. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're right. What, I, does that not go down as an official stat? That's that's strange. I don't think so. Okay. Well. Okay. So Mingo caught that's the two weird. point conversion, but that's it. I mean, that's a little concerning. But he, you know, he's that's a he's got a, for another. He day. needs to. He's got to step up. Like he needs to. He looks too good in uniform. Yeah. He's wearing yeah. too good of a number. Exactly. To, to to do that, like he needs to step into his number. I'm good though. I, I'll, I'll be patient with him. You is if anybody can't tell, we are giddy. So. So last thing before we break, Corral, 395 passing yards, eighth most yards by a Rebel quarterback in an SEC game, number one in the SEC in passing efficiency after week one. So there's your Lane Kiffin effect. All right, when we come back, we are going to uh, take a quick look and uh, give our early thoughts on Ole Miss, Kentucky, and uh, how we think Saturday is going to shake out after what we saw last Saturday. So stick with us. We'll be back. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments Part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Hours in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe a anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something the place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. 
And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome. Has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station Bourbon, a very small batch High Rye Bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, and just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high rye bourbons. So you could do that, or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that Healing Station afterwards. So, like we always say, ask your, pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you to share a sip responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. And we are back here on Podcast Rebellion, recapping Ole Miss, Florida. All right, that's enough Gator talk. Let's look ahead to Saturday against Kentucky. Ole Miss travels to Lexington to take on the Wildcats. Uh, Mark Stoops and company lost last Saturday to Auburn on the Plains. Now they host the Rebels 3 p.m. SEC Network. Uh, Kentucky six-and-a-half point favorite, I believe, or is it up to seven again? Is it six-and-a-half? I'm looking at it right here. Yep, six-and-a-half. So uh, I think that's about where the spread is probably should be probably what we expected over unders around 60 61 um the money line is probably the play here we'll get into that on uh we'll get more into that on thursday um all that said i really like this matchup for ole miss i think um the way the offense looked against a legitimate sec east title contender and in my opinion a legit sec contender to win an overall title. I think this is um, shaping up to be a really interesting game on Saturday. I think uh, Cavassier Smoke is really talented. I, Terry Terry Wilson coming off the ACL injury. I still got to see a little more from him, but uh, I, I'm excited. So, what do you what, what do y'all think? Just like quick quick hitter thoughts on um, this weekend's game and, and kind of what you expect. I think I was dead on in my Kentucky Auburn pick. Uh, but to start here, um, everybody, everybody trashed me on the show last week. And uh, what do you know? Auburn wins by 16. I, I'll tell you all this. Kentucky has, I think, five or eight, four stars or better on the defensive front. Um, so it's not your dad's Kentucky football team. That said, it still is a little bit to me. I mean, it's still Kentucky. I think some programs just kind of know how to be good and win and some don't. 
And until I until I see Kentucky consistently, you know, step up step up and punch above their weight class, I'm just not going to take the game. You know, uh, it it is what it is. I I think Ole Miss can go up there and win. Now, I, that's also not me saying that Ole Miss can go up there and blow out Kentucky. I don't think we run them by any stretch, but I don't I don't see this game like Ole Miss is going to Alabama either. I don't think anybody would. Yeah, I'm just kind of looking over the numbers. The, the leading rusher last week for Auburn was Bo Nix with 34 yards. Granted, you know, he's going to have lost some yards from sacks. Uh, and then Sean Shivers was six carries for 29 yards. Auburn didn't have a ton of offense. But but that, that's to say they still, you know, beat them by two-plus scores. Um, without that offense, I, I, I don't – I don't. I'm not in love with Kentucky. They, they kind of pulled away at the end, and they. I mean, yeah, it was they pretty did. close to the fourth quarter. Yeah, but if you look at the numbers, Auburn had a lot less, a lot, excuse me, a lot fewer yards, but they also ran 27 less plays. Um, so you're going to have or 22 less plays. Excuse me, you're going to have fewer numbers. I mean, they outgained them uh, almost six yards a play to to just under five yards a play for Kentucky. The offense, Terry Wilson, 24, 37, 239. That's not. That's not great. I mean, that kind of looks like an NFL quarterback type of numbers. You just kind of sort of efficient, sort of to get me, done. Let me ask you this, Nick. While you're t- while you're doing this analysis, is Auburn's defense any? I mean, is Florida's defense that much worse than Auburn's? I, I, it's not less talented. I mean, perhaps maybe it's less experienced, but you know, Florida has got a ton of five stars out there in the secondary. They always do. Just, just comparing, and I know you can't say, well, Ole Miss played Auburn better or Florida better than Kentucky played Auburn, but I, think, I mean, in this case, Auburn and Florida. Let's just say, for the sake of the argument, they're pretty similar on defense. Even though I think Florida has more talent, I mean, Kentucky's numbers are are way worse than Ole Miss's. Almost half of what Ole Miss did. Yeah, I don't know. I I need to see more from Kentucky this weekend. I I think it is a Really, 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 really good opportunity for Ole Miss to go to Kentucky to get a win. You're, you're going to come back an, here an early win, just confidence win. Yeah, ex- and, but you're going to come back here and you're going to get you're going to get whipped by Alabama. Whatever, that's fine. Just sort of be somewhat competitive, put some points on the board. You know, that's fine, and, and move on about your day into into Arkansas and then Auburn. So, getting this win early, and I get it. It's, we're not concerned about bowl eligibility because everyone has it, but. Beating Kentucky would make me feel really good, honestly, about winning five games this year. This is a gettable game, and it's on the road. So it's a huge opportunity to build confidence. And, yeah, look, you you take your medicine against Bam at home, but I I think it's more of a take your medicine, but it's going to be a lot like the Florida game. You're outmatched, you're outmanned, but you're going to compete, and you're going to put up points, and you're going to see what the final tally is when – 60 minutes is up, but I think this is a very gettable game. I think right now, you know, looking at some numbers, I've, I've seen Kentucky anywhere predicted to win by anywhere from three to six, three to seven, somewhere around that. And I like Ole Miss's chances there because Kentucky's going to be experienced on defense and Ole Miss has got to change some things on defense. I mean, they got exposed now, albeit it was a very good, very talented, um, very aggressive offense that Florida brought to Oxford last week, but I don't think Kentucky Kentucky's not scoring 51 on Ole Miss. I don't think Terry Wilson and company can really do that. Um, mm-hmm. My question for Kentucky 
can Terry Wilson and Cavassier smoke? Um, can they keep up with Matt Corral and Elijah Moore and Kenny Yaboa, Jonathan Mingo, Jerry Neely, Snoop Connor? I mean, Ole Miss has playmakers on offense to expose a defense that cannot cover in space and cannot match up skill set wise, size speed wise. So that's the matchup for me as an experienced Mark Stoops defense going against a explosive, high powered Lane Kiffin, Jeff Levy offense. And and look, I give Ole Miss more than a puncher's chance in that matchup. Oh, absolutely. And Ben, I think you've been the champion of, of kind of this line of thought. I said it last week when uh, maybe UAB was playing South Alabama. It's just a different caliber of player at UAB compared to South Alabama. And at the end of the day, this the Florida team we saw last week had a different caliber of player than we did because they recruited a different caliber of player over the last three or four years. They were recruiting four and five stars. This is not the 2015 or 2014 on Miss team that had a bunch of four and five stars on it. It's a it's a it's an inferior talented team compared to Florida. It's not that way against Kentucky. Kentucky's not out recruiting us every year. They, they may have more four stars than they've had in the past along that defensive front, but they're not, you know, if you look at the, the, the 24-7 composite rating, it's going to be really similar between us and Kentucky. It's going to be really similar between us. Well, obviously, we're going to be better than Arkansas and Vanderbilt, but but they're not a Florida or an Alabama or even an Auburn, and I really think that, that that's why I think we win this weekend. I mean, just outright, I'll say it. Yeah, I'm taking on this money line. Y'all can, y'all can lock that in for the show if you want, whatever. But um, hey, I'll, think, I'll let it climb, man. It, it might go, might get up above seven before the weekend. I might take them both. Oh, when, wow. I, when I saw six and a half, I mean, hell, I was really close to just go ahead and telling y'all, hey, I'm locking it in because I don't think Kentucky is that much better than Ole Miss. Now, they might, they might be a little more organized defensively. They might be a little more experienced. I just think that talent – and explosive plays are going to win out. And the way Matt Corral was throwing the ball vertically last week against a legitimate playoff team, Kentucky doesn't have that secondary. There's no way. And, look, it's one thing to say you're going to bracket Elijah Moore. (laughs) It's one thing to actually freaking do it. So I like Ole Miss a lot this weekend. We'll get into it more on Thursday. But, um, but yeah, you guys got anything else? No, nothing at all. I, I agree with every assessment made. The best point of the whole show to me, Nick, is uh, it's really you echoing me. I'm just kidding. It is the fact that <laughs> Kentucky does not have the player that Florida has. And But Ole Miss, while Kentucky has recruited better over the last few years than, than his, Kentucky historically, Ole Miss still has the caliber player at minimum Kentucky does. And, and because of that reason, I look to the quarterback play. I look to yeah. how good, you know, do you have, you know, any playmakers? I think Ole Miss has a better playmaker than anybody on Kentucky and Elijah Moore and a better playmaker than anybody on Kentucky's team in Jerry Neely. So that's not – that we're not even getting to Yaboa or Mingo or Snoop Connor, uh, you know, or, or um, um, the running back that didn't get to play. Uh, now I can't even remember his name because he didn't. That my point being is almost absolutely Henry Parrish, yeah. Almost absolutely has the firepower to go and beat Kentucky, and they're going to. I mean, you also the big thing that tilts the field is the head coach. And while Mark Stoops is a great coach, I think Ole Miss's coaching staff from Lane Kiffin through the coordinators is better than Kentucky's. I mean, Ole Miss invests more in football than Kentucky. So 
And you can't say that about a lot of teams in the conference, but you can say that about Kentucky. All right. I think we about wrapped it up. Uh, I think we did a fantastic job there, if I do say so myself. It was Look, that's about as good of a recap as you can give in a 51-35 loss. A lot to look forward to this weekend, a lot to like from last weekend. I'm excited to see what the offense cooks up against Mark Stoops on the road at Kroger Field, 3 p.m. SEC Network. Gentlemen, this has been fun. We'll be back next Sunday. No more of this Wednesday or Tuesday crap. I guess Wednesday when you're listening to this. But uh, we'll do full recaps Sunday morning, get those to you before the NFL starts, and then uh, get back to our regularly scheduled programming. So with that, thank you for tuning in. For Ben, for Nick, I'm Zach. This has been Podcast Rebellion. Thank you all for listening. We out.